I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today wherever you listen to your podcasts. Anybody else stir crazy? I mean, like on a scale of one to 10, are you sitting in like a seven or eight kind of wondering, ah, what do I do next? How do I do this? How do I manage? I'm sick of my house. I'm sick of the people in my house. I'm sick of not having anybody in my house except me. Whatever that phrase, whatever that situation context might be, you getting a little stir crazy yet? I know I'm starting to feel a little bit. <laughs> and I'm usually not inclined to stir craziness. Um, I'm usually pretty good being in a rut. I'm usually pretty good kind of not going anywhere. I'm usually, uh, I'm not a guy who goes, Ooh, I can't wait to travel. I travel because it's probably good for me and sometimes for work and sometimes it's what the family wants to do, but I'm not like, Ooh, I can't wait to see them all the different things. I'm very happy being a homebody, but yeah, I'm a little stir crazy, uh, which is why I'm, I'm really, I'm really super pumped and pleased to see lots of different people take this opportunity to really reach out and say, look, I don't have a commute anymore. And frankly, one of the not great parts about working from home is that it's very hard to tell when you've stopped working and are started to be the not home part because you are literally sleeping in your office every night. You know, yeah, turn on Netflix or Hulu or Disney or whatever you're doing, but your brain is staring at your, your laptop and that, that you know, your, your work brain never seems to kind of slow down. But I am, like I said, I am thrilled to see people kind of say, look, I'm feeling stir crazy too. You're feeling stir crazy. Let's just connect. This is for the next four and more likely eight weeks. That's where my money is right now. Um, we're, this is our new normal. This is how we're going to be. And so I think we should all be taking this time to kind of reach out to people and engage with people and connect with people because this is the etch-a-sketch moment of our professional lives. This is, uh, you pick it up, you hold it over your head upside down, you shake it, and you go, here, new clean piece of paper. Because all the rules really are being rewritten as we speak. My feeling is that half the businesses in America, for my money, uh, will be wondering very, very specifically, why do I pay rent when I could have all my people be remote? When can I say, when does it make sense to make this a full-time thing? When does it make sense to be this to be the normal? That I'll just send you a computer and occasionally you have to take it to a, a local IT support person to fix it occasionally if that's the thing, but really we all live like this now, that you should assume a home office, that you should assume or carve out a part, part of your dining room to be your office and that's really kind of how it is. And we're going to have to rewrite the rules around what it looks like to say, okay, we work from home and to avoid that stir craziness to say, okay, at this time I stop looking at Slack, I stop looking at Teams, I stop looking at my email, I, I'm going to draw some very clear delineations having to communicate that to your boss and your coworkers to say look I live with a child or I have this situation and I'm going to be flexible but that doesn't mean I'm gone it means I'm really all about working from and I'm making stuff up here 6 to 10 from noon to 3 and then from 7 to 10 or whatever however you want to divvy that day up because you have time you want to spend time with your child or you have things to do or there's whatever it is the new normal is real and we are all and I can't stress that enough because I did that whole thing with all, or my vocal, you know, I did all sorts of different weird vocal things. We're all learning what the rules should be, right? Which is a great opportunity because it means we get to rewrite the rules. (laughs) 
all the things that we wanted to do. This is our chance to take advantage. This is our chance to say, you know, I've, I've always wanted to work from home. Or I've always wanted to work remotely. Or I've always wanted to be one of the people who could just pick up and go and go from house to house or location to location and be one of those digital nomads that, you know, I've heard so much about. And just go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to go to Taiwan. Yeah, I'm going to go to, you know, pick a place that's not having real problems right now. Um, wherever it is, just say, I've, I've decided I can do this job. I can do it from anywhere. I can do it from the back of a van. I can do it from the desert. I can do it from the cities. I can do it from whatever. I can do it anywhere, so I'm going to. And that means rewriting the rules. So if we're rewriting the rules and we take into account that the world has changed, and by the way, absolutely has. <laughs> this isn't a hold your breath and it'll all be better soon kind of moment. This is a, oh, we're changing now. We're, and usually it's, this is the sort of change that happens slowly over time that it's very hard to perceive, that you have to read very long-winded articles with lots of graphs and charts dating back 10 and 20 years to show that the change has happened. But nope, change happened. Boom, it just landed on your lap. Congratulations, I hope you're enjoying it. If you're not, you're going to have to find a way to make yourself enjoy it or have to find a way to make it work for you. So when your brain's working on those new normals, when you're working on those new rules, while you're doing that, I think you should take the time to think a little bigger, right? Your situation, I'm talking to clients, talking to prospects, talking to people, talking to friends. We're having this moment where we realize, what do we really want to do here? What are we really achieving here? We're all having a little bit of a mortality fear, right? We're all a little bit nervous that, you know, what are we spending all this time at work for? What's it all mean? What's it all matter for? You know, what does it matter for? Um, you know, we're all worried about the people we love and care about. We're all worried about everybody's health. We're already worried about leadership and who's in charge and who's saying what and how we're going to fix this thing and all that stuff. It's it's a little fear-based, right? It's a little, there's a lot of fear in everybody's mind. Everybody's antsy. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's anxious. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, and whatever you want to call it, there's an opportunity there for you to say, what do I want to do here? What am I trying to do? And one of the things I've been thinking about, in fact, if I can be talking to a couple of people about it, just kind of kind of shaping it in my head, right? You know how I do it. Um, is this idea that what we think of as how you do employer branding is actually incredibly limited. We are looking at, it's as if we've in, we, we are the, we are the, the Wright brothers in, uh, on a beach in North Carolina and we said, ah, we've invented an amazing new way for people to travel at heights of up to seven feet. This is amazing. This is what we will do. It's like they've invented this thing and they found this thing and said, ah, this is great. Now we will be able to travel above people's heads by about a foot. No, no. <laughs> this is the beginning of more. To me, employer branding, seeing it as a function of attraction, seeing it as a function of pipelining is the most limited way to look at this thing. And the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, the more I realize I think I believe this. I believe this thing to be true. And that's what we're going to talk about because as we enter the new normal, we have to think, how do we get beyond the new normal? How do we take up the opportunity to have to take advantage of all this new change so that we can really make the impact that we as employer branders see in the world? And that's what we're going to talk about today when we get right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing, and I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. 
So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, everybody, James Ellis, recording live from Chicago, uh, as per usual. Um, standard, whatever, I'm not even going to go into housekeeping notes, you know what the deal is. But I will say, the office hours have been great. If you listen to this podcast and you've ever wanted to ask me a question, for the love of all that is virtual these days, do it. <laughs> Get the link, set up 15 minutes and ask me your question. I've had amazing conversations with uh, multiple banks, uh, multiple countries, multiple com- uh, startups, some very big companies. I won't say who because that's rude because it's not a, it's, I'm not a doctor and this isn't about being private, but hey, they didn't say I could talk about it. But a lot of different people, it's been a lot of fun. So if you have a question, I absolutely want to talk to you, especially as I talk about this, what I'm about to talk about. And that is, there is more. Right, I wrote a little thing, kind of sketching out some of the ideas, and the, and the gist of it was, if you think, what you know, what is the purpose of employer brand? What is the value of employer brand? And I have all sorts of pat answers on how you talk about the the value of employer brand. I also have a pat answer on why talking about the value of employer brand is dumb, and that answer is very simple. What is the value? What is the ROI? If you having an ROI conversation around a parent's love or a teacher who supported you and encouraged you when you were, you know, a preteen or a teenager and you're really feeling insecure about life and having someone in your corner rooting for you and believing in you and giving you that faith that perhaps, yes, this is complicated and messy and bad and I don't like it and I don't feel good, but there's something beyond that and I can get to it. That, that thing, what's that worth to you? No, no, put a dollar figure on that thing, which is functionally what they say about well, put a dollar figure in ROI on employer brand. Because without employer brand, you're transactional, you're a cog manufacturer, and everybody who f- invests in employer brand is about to eat your lunch. Simple as that. Simple as that. You can frame it and phrase it in a way that's not quite so snarky. It, I mean, if you want. I mean, you can be totally snarky. I can, I can dial the snark up on that thing to 11. It's bad news. Um, but that's the thing, you know, we were focused on these pat answers to answer these questions of what's the ROI or what's the value of employer brand. And so we find these answers that are small enough for people who don't love employer brand to kind of go, oh, I get it, cool. And we say things like it's all about attraction. It's all about the why. It's the, the North Star for the company. We have all sorts of fun little metaphors that we play around with and guilty as charged myself. I am certainly guilty of doing that, but we all have them. And in a lot of ways, the concept of employer brand is a bit of a Rorschach test. It is how you see employer brand and how you see how you describe employer brand says as much about you as it does about employer brand. You might say it is all about pipeline building. It might say it's all about increasing the quality of the candidate. Now, those things are absolutely true, but limited. It's like saying a plane, you know, the Wright Brothers plane is an amazing achievement of wood. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot, lot more than that. Not just because there's canvas involved, but it wasn't the craftsmanship of the woodworking that made the plane fly. It was a concept that blew people's minds and everybody said, that is not possible. And frankly, there are plenty of people who 
tested it to, to show that it was impossible because they were doing it wrong, because they didn't understand how to make the wing curve to truly enhance or to uh, take advantage of the Bernoulli principle, where the curve of the wing on top changes the pressure and allows, creates lift, right? All that stuff that you try not to remember from your high school and college physics classes. Even, and, and let's be fair, I took Jan Physics for Poets at Texas, so that's literally all the physics I know. You're welcome. Because <laughs> that's what this podcast turns into. Um, yeah, you're, you're limited. If you, if you look at the Wright Brothers plane, you say that's an amazing achievement in woodworking. That's an amazing achievement in bicycle technology. That's an amazing way to, to create lift up to seven feet in the air. Yes, those things are true, but you're looking at it through such a straw, you're not seeing the potential of these things. If you say your employer brand is the North Star around which all your communications kind of connects, it's true. It's absolutely true. It's a kind of structure to make sure that your marketing and your comms and your leadership and your recruiters and your recruiting and your talent acquisition people and all the various voices in the audience are all kind of saying something that's connected and aligned. Those things are true. An employer brand does create that alignment. But that's not all. It does a lot more. And this thing that I am wrestling with, that I'm bringing to you, that perhaps on some level I want you to say, you're full of it, buddy, or we'll have you added this to it. I mean, I, I have this concept, right? And I need your help to kind of make it real. And the concept is this. We have only tapped a metaphorical 10 or 20% of what employer branding can do for the most part. Now, there are a couple companies who I will not name because I just won't. Because, there's no, because there, there are people who really truly understand how to make the employer brand so transparent, so integrated that it is truly beyond talent acquisition. It is truly beyond pipeline development. It is truly beyond communication architecture and structure. That it is truly part of the DNA of the company. And there are a handful of companies I could name that are really good at doing that. And I think those are the people who not only are they on the cutting edge of what employer branding is, they are probably, and I wish I had more insight into this, they are probably seeing kind of like what Magellan saw, right? Starting to see new lands and starting to see new territory that no one saw. What Pizarro, what Cortez, what Christopher Columbus in whatever capacity. I mean, Christopher Columbus is a bad one because he showed up. I mean, actually, most of them are bad ones because they all showed up where people already were. But yeah, you, you're breaking my metaphor. I'm breaking my metaphor. But this idea that they're blazing a new trail, not to say good, more of the same, there's plenty of it, but to say there's new stuff beyond this idea of just deep integration, the, the concept of a subtle employer brand, which, by the way, I wholeheartedly believe in. I've said to many people, if you can, if I can point to your employer brand and say, okay, based on that commercial and based on that ad and based on that, your employer brand is X, and you go, yes, I said, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if it's too clear to, uh, to, to kind of discern, it's too obvious. It's too, hey, look at me. It's too, hey, crystal clear. And you're not, you're, you're painting it on the wall. You're not in, you're not living the brand as it were. So I think those brands, those companies are finding ways to say now that they've integrated What's beyond this? How does employer brand? Does it, and I think there might be an opportunity for to say that maybe employer brand even just kind of dissipates because it's moved the company from point A to point Q and thus it has done its job. That employer brand is kind of an on-ramp to higher level thinking, to changing not just your recruiting, but how you perceive what a company or a brand is. 
to me, I think that's really what the purpose, whether it's an onboarding ramp, whether it's a limited, which just to get you point A to point Q, I don't know. But I think the purpose of employer brand is so much more than pipeline development. It is there to help you think about how people engage and interact and understand and feel about your brand, about your company. And here we are, kind of twiddling our fingers, worrying about glass door results, worrying about job posting descriptions, worrying about you know these tiny little microtransactions, these tactical, these sexy tools that we like. Oh, cool, cool tool, plug it in, do it. And that's what we're focused on, and we're missing the, this bigger picture. You know, it's this idea that Shakespeare had exactly the same words to use that you and I do, and yet somehow there he's Shakespeare, and you're you, and I'm me. <laughs> There's a very big line between you and I and Shakespeare. You know that that Van Gogh had the exact same sets of colors that everybody else did, but Van Gogh took those colors and did that, right? You know, Starry Night. My personal favorite, Crows in the Cornfield, is last one. And if you ever get a chance to see it, this is a complete aside, just because I absolutely adore this painting. If you ever get the chance to see it live in person. Uh, I was blown away by how much canvas is still visible. He literally was starting to get less and putting less and less paint on the canvas to make the feeling happen, right? The purpose of art is to create a feeling in that level. He was making the feeling happen in less and less action and less and less paint to me. Watching him move through that process of a very complicated painting and all this paint and all these layers and all these things and all these details to getting to the point where it just feels like on a certain level, it's almost pixelated. It's almost pointillism, but then you go, oh my God, it's it's amazing. Crows in the cornfield makes me feel something, right? Anyway, total diversion, total digression. You're welcome. Not an apology. You're welcome. You move on. You start to grow. You start to say, this is what this brand really is. And as your brand gets better and deeper integrated, you're using less paint on the canvas. You're using less action. You're taking fewer steps. You're doing less stuff, but creating more impact. And that's not just from an optimization level. That's not from a Tim Ferriss four-hour workweek kind of thinking thing. It's more about, look, the company is a massive, massive entity. Whether you have 20 people or 20,000 people, those people, those, those bodies are quantum levels more than just you, right? I mean, that's just math, right? If you have 1,000 people or 10,000 people or 100,000 people, whoever many people work for you, that's a lot more than just you. So if you can get them to get what you're doing and to communicate the message and live the brand and push it forward so it's less about the ad and it's less about the talking points and the vernacular you build and the the taglines and the pillars and the talking whatever where it's less about the structure and stuff of the employer brand and becomes something that lives and breathes that you simply occasionally nudge occasionally encourage occasionally limit occasionally say oh that's a bad idea I see how we're moving in this other direction. Let's kind of nudge it back in the frame <laughs> where it's supposed to go. That you're corralling the cats, but that's not a pejorative. That's actually the job because the cats are everybody who has any kind of sense of ownership of the brand. I think that's possible. And I've talked about in webinars, and I'm happy to talk you know, at some point down the road, I think there's an ebook coming with it, is this idea that 
your employer brand matures, your function of how you see and perceive employer brand matures over time, right? At some point, it's just about how do I stop being 100% transactional and just get leadership on some level to go, oh, there's a strategy behind this that we should start to adopt and test the waters and make sure it's valid for us. And then you move on to the space where you, you formalize that structure and formalize that strategy and start to weave it into other elements. And then there's the element where you say, okay, the strategy makes more sense and we've got some data to back it up and we've proven it, we've connected it and localized it to a lot of different spots and we've got lots of budget to play with and we get fun stuff to do. Maybe there's a team. And then there's that space within the rarefied era of, okay, we are truly integrating it with marketing and comms and all the other pieces and we can take it in an amazing new direction. We are the trailblazers. We are the, 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 we are the Cortez's and Pizarro's, which again, bad metaphor because in Cortez's case, kind of killed everybody he met. Not the intent here, employer brand. I think. Nope, no, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure I'm not encouraging you to take your brand and butcher the brands in front of you, right? Simple as that. So I pause for a minute. I just want to make sure I'm on task here because I do think that, how do I say this nicely? Because I'm a big fan of all of you and I appreciate you encouraging me and working with me and listening to me and all that stuff and talking to me and listening to my stuff and reading my stuff and all that good stuff. This is an interaction. As much as this is a one-way communication via the podcast, the ecosystem, the forums, the groups, the interactions with other people, this is an ecosystem, right? And I've definitely noticed there has been at least a threefold increase in the last two years of people who add the word employer brand to their titles. I don't think it's that I was blind to them. I think they just started to appear. And on a lot of levels, he says deeply cynically, that's because people started to realize recruiting in a lot of companies is kind of, there's a, there's a ceiling to it. There's, there's a cap to how much you can grow within the recruiting space. It's about, okay, you're a senior recruiter. That means you can solve slightly bigger, more complicated recruiting challenges. You're now in charge of hiring the next vice president of whatever. You're now in charge of bigger projects, but it's still the same thing. <laughs> you're not doing anything different. You're just, you've got more experience and you know how to kind of tweak the things and build relationships with people. So you've kind of just do it bigger. Employer brand is the lever that changes everything we know about talent acquisition. And I'm going to say that again because I don't. I think I've said it in passing, and I don't. I, I believe it. I really do, honestly believe that this is true. Employer brand is the lever that changes the world, at least the professional world. Talent acquisition, to be certain, marketing to some extent. I think I'm seeing it pieces. Comms, yes, absolutely. Business leadership. I think we still have some inroads to make, all of us. But it is how we change. And, we go, and I go back to this idea that if we're in this concept of new normal where everything is being shaken up, that there is chaos but opportunity, and I won't get into the aphorism which is deeply wrong about Chinese characters and how they're integrated or whatever, you know, that chaos and opportunity are the same, whatever, however they phrase it because it's apocryphal. Anyway, but there is opportunity and change in chaos. As things shift, as people start to get their feet under them, it is the employer brander who can see bigger and execute better and integrate more deeply that changes the picture overall. And so here you are at home, I'm presuming. <laughs> I would love to hear the employer brander who is listed as uh, essential personnel and is asked to come into the office every single day. I don't know who that is. Um, I don't think they, they exist, but if you do, I'd love to hear that story. Maybe that's not about the company, or maybe that's not about you. Maybe it's about your boss, whatever. That's a whole separate ballgame. You're at home, and maybe you're trapped with your family. 
Maybe you're blessed to be connected to your family. Uh, maybe you're not feeling a stir crazy. I bet you are a little bit. Whether you're alone or you're connected to other people or living with other people, you've got a chance to think the bigger thoughts. Some Katrina Kibben joked that at the end of all this, we'll all either be alcoholics or great chefs, to which I reply, of course, why choose? Just do both. But there's so many more options here. You know, I think everybody should pick a hobby and learn a hobby now that they've got some time on their hands, all those commuting hours gone. Um, you know, the, everybody's expectations shifting because everybody realizes how insane this world has become and now we're getting even more insane in a different way. Um, take the time to think bigger thoughts. Take the time to not focus on how do I squeeze another point, you know, a decimal point out of my ratings review site and more about how do I build great relationships with marketing so that we can work as a team to solve both of our problems? How do I conceive of a world or a situation in which marketing needs employer branding and I'm there to help, that I'm not feeling like I'm banging on the glass on the outside begging to be let in. but Because let's be fair, in crisis marketing, in crisis PR, going to the, the, the people who do the work is the, is the go-to move, right? You know, you've seen it over and over and over again. It's not the, the CEO per se who's driving the, the change of the company, making people feel better about the company. It's all the individual faces saying, yeah, this is how we're, we're managing this change. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Yes, the CEO has to be a part of it but they're tapping that employer brand stuff. And if they do it without you, well, one, you've just proven how unnecessary you are in that organization, which is unfortunate, and I don't want that to happen to you. But two, they're gonna do it wrong. <laughs> or they're gonna do it in a way that solely suits them. Maybe wrong is the wrong word. Maybe it will focus on a limited uh, outcome, that it's all about does it solve my corporate consumer marketing problem without questioning whether it potentially could solve my employer talent brand problem. And that's why you need to be there. So think about, is there an argument you could make? Is there a deck you could write? Is there is an article you could post? Is there a conversation you could start that starts to seed an idea in which you are a partner to those teams, to comms and marketing and, any, and business to say, this is how I'm going to help you get through this. The new normal is here, but it's not really settled yet, right? We haven't really said, oh, this is the normal, do it this way. No, there's more transition to be had as we, you know, at some point, you know, I think somewhere in week three, we'll all kind of go, all right, this is kind of be, we're okay. We're not in panic mode anymore. It just kind of isn't optimal to the way we've been used to doing things, but we're starting to build systems and processes that make this okay. And then there's the part that happens when they finally kind of, open up the floodgates a bit and turn off the lockdown and the quarantine and we all get to go outside and, and hug people and shake hands maybe on some level. Um, obviously, I think that's going to change a bit. I think there's going to be a lot less physical contact for the next couple of years, frankly. That's my theory. That It's a free podcast. You're allowed to ignore that. Uh, but I get to say it. <laughs> here's, my, here's my crackpot theory. Enjoy! Um, as if that's not the potential title for this whole thing. James, welcome to James Ellis. Here's my crackpot theory. Enjoy podcast. Um, hold on. I need to go see if that domain name is available. I'm going to pretend I'm typing. I'm, I'm a little star crazy. And I'm so glad you're here with me. Anyway, um, this is your chance. This is your chance to think big thoughts. We're, and don't think of it 
How do you leapfrog four steps? How do you leapfrog all the way to the end zone? Because you can't. It's about how do you further how the company sees employer branding as a concept more than a North Star, more than a pipeline or a, a, an attraction process. It is something deeper and bigger. And how do you build those relationships so that people who do, quote unquote, own those pieces, see you as a partner, see you as a valuable resource, someone they can partner with, someone they can share and open up to and, and not feel like you have to be the junior partner who sits still and you know stays quiet in the corner until they need you. This is the time to start thinking about how do you see and convince your particular organization and employer branding is more. And on some level, this is the exact right time to do that. Why? Because it's chaos. Because every one of your leaders is twice as panicked as you are. As anxious as you might be, leadership is doubly so. Because they know that the fate of the company rests on their decisions. And so this is a chance for you to say, look, as we get into this crisis, as we move through this crisis, how we manage the crisis will become our brand. Uh, Dustin Carper, a uh, friend of mine out of Chicago, uh, hey Dustin, you don't listen to this podcast, do you? Um, he commented on something I wrote to say, in a lot of levels, employer brand is irrelevant because it's the corporate brand that matters now because if the company doesn't do right by its people, then everything kind of is shot, right? It kind of undercuts everything. And I think he's true in spirit. I would have said that's why employer brand is so important. I see employer brand bigger than he does apparently, and that's okay. You know, we're all slicing and dicing this however we want to. But this, but he's 100% true. On a lot of levels, this crisis proves or disproves everything you've been talking about as your employer brand for however long you've been doing this. Six weeks, six months, six years, I don't care. This is when you decide, can you really do it? It's as if you've been telling the world, yes, I can duck a basketball, and you've been doing it for years, and suddenly there you are, circumstances have just perfectly aligned that there you are in front of a regulation basketball hoop with a basketball in your hand with sneakers on your feet, and you have no more excuses. So can you or can't you? That's what this is. It's a proving ground. It's an opportunity to say, look, this is how we got through it. It's a way to say, you know what? Maybe the stuff we've been talking about in our EVP and employer brand is kind of unnecessary. We've been talking about stuff that's ephemeral and soft and safe because we didn't think leadership would buy a big, painful, rough, serious, authentic, uh, audacious concept. They didn't think that's what the company was because Hey, back when the waters, when the I'm sorry, when the tides are rising, all boats get floated, right? Everybody moves up, everything's stable, everything's fine. Well, in this crisis, it says which boats are seaworthy and which ones are going down to the bottom of the ocean, right? So this is your chance to say, okay, all the stuff we've been talking about is now falling, you know, sinking in the bottom of the ocean. So what are we going to talk about? How are we handling this? Because that is how we own our brand. That is how we prove our brand. It is not when things are nice that we say our brand is something. We can say it, but it doesn't mean anything. It's not until times are tough that we prove what our brand is. This is your opportunity to do something, for lack of a better word, more, bigger, real, honest, deep, meaningful, whatever. Attack it however you want to attack it, however you want to see it. But this is that chance. And honestly, I don't know that we are going to get a better chance than this. And frankly, 
I don't know that we could handle a better chance than this. This is nuts. This is getting crazy. And, I, you know, um, I, I, I hope it's almost done. I hope the craziness we've all been managing through for a while now, however you want to measure that, um, is almost over, even though I know for a fact that we still have a bit longer to go. I hope it doesn't get worse. So if this is as, as tough as it's going to get, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, this is your chance to prove the brand. This is your chance to find the stories that prove the brand. This is, this is when you've, you've all got that story that proves who you are, right? If you think you're funny, you've got that story, you made a room full of people crack up. If you think you're smart, you're the, you have a story in which you said, I'm the only one with the answer and you were right. If you have a story you tell yourself about yourself, and you tell that story over and over again. In a lot of ways, you tell that story to yourself over and over again in your head to prove that you are that thing, to prove that you are attractive, to prove that you are nice, to prove that you are strong, to prove that you are charismatic, to prove that you are ruthless. Whatever that thing you tell yourself about is you have that story. It's the belief point. It's the proof point, right? That's where marketers have to use the word proof points. Well, here's where the story is about to happen. So if you're not looking for and seeing and collecting those stories now, Two years from now, a year from now, when this is all a vague but unpleasant memory, what stories are you going to tell that proves you are who that you are, that your brand is what you say your brand is? This is when it happens. And you can't just hope it just plops into your lap. You've got to go prep for it. You've got to get ready for it. You've got to go listen for it. You've got to go plant seeds that, hey, if our brand is X and Y and Z, has anyone heard a story lately that expresses that? That should be part of every conversation you have. You should be listening and asking for and collecting all of those proof points today that you can use for the next two, three, four, five years. They're happening today. It's Monday probably when you're listening to this. I mean literally today. Also tomorrow and probably a couple more tomorrows, but it's not an unlimited number of tomorrows. At some point, we kind of settle down a little bit. Humans are really good at normalizing, <laughs> right? Um, we just get good at it. We just, we, you know, we can get used to almost anything. We can farm in the desert. We can, you know, get used, I mean, I, my parent company's in Sweden. They know from cold and, you know, if you would, no one says, you know what, the perfect place to live is up in the north of Sweden. That's a perfect place to be. But people do, and they have the reasons, and they make it okay. All the fear they might have, the pain of freezing to death or feeling cold all the time, they mitigate against. They figure it out. So we're good at figuring out stuff. Wherever you go, no matter how hot or cold it is, no matter how scary it is, there are people who raise families in war zones, for goodness sake. No one says that's a good idea. But if you got a family, what choice do you have? Get out or stay? And if you can't get out, well, I guess you better hunker down and figure out how to do it. We're good at normalizing. We're good at getting used to it. We're good at figuring out how to survive stuff. So this is going to get figured out on some level. So what are you going to get out of this? How are you, as an employer brand professional, practitioner, going to take advantage of the chaos to move the thought and conversation forward? because that's where your head should be right now. All right, that's all I had to say for, for today, I guess. Uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, feel free to share, feel free to comment, feel free to rate, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell, you know, people. In, I mean, who who going to tell? You're, <laughs> you're not people on the street, that's for sure. Um, as I said, 
yes, come talk to me. Come find me. I got office hours. I'm on Twitter. I'm on the LinkedIn. I do all the stuff. I'm on the digital beep, beep, boop, boops. Um, that was unfortunate, the thing I just said. And for those of you still listening, <laughs> this is where the good stuff is. I'm a little punchy. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of The Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk, that's linkedin.com slash in slash The War for Talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.